Alright, we are back here in the courtroom of current events on Peter's Proffer. Today, we are going to talk about a frequently asked question, which is, what can you get in a background check? Um, we have been involved in lots of these background checks for various different purposes throughout litigation on both the criminal and civil side of cases. So today, we're going to dig into what you can actually get, what you can't get, and all the different kinds of background checks that people can pull on you. Um, we're also going to talk about how we use the information we get. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Thanks for writing in, as always. If you want to leave us a review or a comment on social media, it's at Tragos Law. If you have a question, you can send it to my email, petertragos at greeklaw.com. But for now, let's get to the music. Right. We're here today with Pete Sardis to talk all things background checks. So Pete, let's start out with talking about the different background checks that somebody can have or wh where the information is pulled from when somebody does a thorough background check. All right. Generally, there are four different types of background checks. Uh, the one that is most effective is the public records uh, background check, which basically accesses the records held by uh, governmental agencies uh, and, uh, you know, things like that in the what's called the public realm. Uh, there's a lot to it. We'll get to those specifics, but that's your most thorough background check. There are other types of background checks that people are um, familiar with, and that's uh, a fair credit reporting background check. And these are uh, governed by the Graham-Leach-Bliley Act. In other words, these are background checks that determine what your credit report looks like and where you have uh, bank accounts and things like that. Uh, there is something called a DPPA, that is a Driver's Privacy Protection Act, and you guessed it, that's driver's licenses and things related to uh, automobiles. Uh, normally only uh, available for civil, criminal, or some sort of legal proceeding. Uh, again, outside of law enforcement, they have always have access to it. And of course, you can have access to voter records. There are some specific limitations, and those are state by state for privacy of voter laws. But yes, they're generally uh, accessible. Uh, for the most part. Okay, so starting out, we're, the obvious ones that most people know are, you know, you can get arrests that are in the public record and um, lawsuits that have been filed, all that's public record, people understand that. That can be used for obvious reasons in litigation, so if you've ever been arrested or convicted of a felony or a crime of moral turpitude, meaning that you've lied or done something mischievous or deceiving or, you know, something that would call your testimony into question. You can be impeached with that in criminal or civil proceedings. That's why that stuff's important. Um, uh, the lawsuit information is important because people want to know if you're litigious, if you file a lawsuit every six months, if you've never filed a lawsuit before. That's why those can be used kind of in different criminal and civil proceedings. Um, but we're going to get into some of the other stuff that's lesser known that people know that is just readily available on uh, in background checks and in public records in different areas. So let's start out by talking about addresses, um, current, previous, uh, potential, family members, things like that. Get into what addresses can be found in public records. You know, let me start by saying Florida is an interesting beast because we have something called a Sunshine Act, which allows uh, a lot of the things, actually, frankly, most things that exist inside of governmental records to be accessible by the public. So when it comes to addresses, every time you use an address uh, or provide an address, 
to a government agency, I can absolutely find that in a background check. If I take it the next step, if you used a particular address in some sort of a credit report or um, you know to, to, to lease a car, for example, I may be able to have access to that depending on how what type of background check I'm doing. But if you've lived in an address, if you have had mail go to an address, chances are we will be able to identify that in a background check. And that's important because addresses, previous addresses, potential addresses, all of that can help a lawyer find out if somebody's collectible, how much they're paying for that house, whether or not that house is homesteaded, meaning protected from lawsuits or collectability and things like that. You can find out a lot by dealing with addresses um, in the public record or that you can get in these background checks. Um, another thing you can find out, marriages. Yeah, vital statistics generally, meaning marriage licenses, birth certificates, death certificates, are specifically open to the public and normally in every jurisdiction because that's how you know if somebody is alive, if someone has passed away, if someone has uh, you know is married because it's important because a lot of states, Florida being one of them, have what's called consortium claims, meaning that spouses have the right to bring claims based on lawsuits that are derived by an injury caused by their spouse. Additionally, sometimes that can be used to find witnesses on cases, whether it's previous marriages or current marriages. Sometimes those people become witnesses in cases for their significant other. Um, all right, let's talk about different debts that you can find in a background check. Um, debts come in a couple of different types. If it's public, uh, if it's in the public realm, in other words, if you have a lien or a judgment that's been filed in the public record, no problem. We can get a hold of any of IRS lien. Absolutely. If there's something official that's been put in the court's registry, in other words, uh, your mortgage, that is recorded at the county recorder's office, we can get a copy of that. If the IRS files a lien against you, yes, we can get a copy of that. But it goes further than that. Um, If you go through the, um, the, the Fair Credit Reporting Act and you do a background check pursuant to that, um, that statute, you then have the right to know about not only your debt, but your ability to pay that debt. Do you have credit cards, meaning unsecured debt that wouldn't necessarily be in the public record? All of those are accessible under the uh, the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And then additionally, if you get sued and you don't pay that debt and somebody records that judgment, that can also be found in a background check. Yes, that's right. Anything that that if you've been to court, if you've been sued, if anything happened in a courtroom, chances are it is going to be public record. Which again is important from a plaintiff's lawyer's perspective. If somebody's got five different judgment liens against them already, they're probably not going to be very collectible in your case. Um, okay, next talk about utilities, phone bills, things like that. Utility bills are, are kind of in that same realm as addresses. Uh when you establish residency and you call the electric company, the water company, whatever the case may be, you are uh, basically putting yourself out and notifying uh, the governmental agency, especially the water company, that you reside at that address. Uh, and you'll so be sometimes able to find if you that. see that they don't own that house, yet they have all the utilities in that house in their name, that could be an indication that they do live there. Right. Or, or look at it this way. Somebody uh, has a college kid and they've rented a house, yet the utilities are in mom and dad's name, the right. water bill's in mom and dad's name, the trash is in mom and dad's name, because they're the ones actually paying the bill. Right, right. Okay, next let's move on to the planes, trains, and automobiles section. All right. In Florida, we have a uh, Driver's Privacy Protection Act that's applicable. It's actually nationwide, but it's definitely here applicable here in, in Florida. And it allows you access in certain civil and criminal legal proceedings to have access to people's, uh, and I'll say generally, driver records. I can't necessarily get a 
picture of your driver's license online, but I can find out if you own a boat, a car, a water craft, like a jet ski, um, an airplane, anything that would require a title. I can identify that. Other than that, you may be able to ask, uh, because some people have gotten one of these, you get a letter in the mail sometimes from the uh, Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles asking you to provide proof of your insurance. Well, once you provide proof of the insurance, that's actually in your uh, driver license records. Right. And you can also get if they're a signatory on somebody else's driver's license, um, you can get some car insurance information sometimes, things like that. Correct. And what's interesting about the driver's license, once you sign for someone's driver's license, until they reach the age of majority, you're on the hook for them. What's the interstate driver's license compact? The Interstate Driver's License Compact is, is something that exists, and it's a, uh, basically an agreement between states. And what it does is, let's just say you have a Massachusetts driver's license, and you come down to Florida and you get arrested for a DUI. Florida is going to provide Massachusetts with that arrest here in Florida, meaning that the jurisdictions share driver's license information with each other, which means your, you know, your driver's license may be suspended by a different state when they find out that you had a DUI in Florida, and vice versa. Right. Okay. Uh, next, let's move on to the financial institution account information, not just banks, but financial in- institutions generally. Yeah. When we talk about financial institutions generally, we're talking about uh, savings account, checking account, stocks, bonds, uh, any sort of trust accounts that you might have that are registered in your name. Not exactly easy to get a hold of, but again, if you have a, um, a, a Fair Credit Reporting Act uh, authorization, or in some circumstances, you know, if those entities are involved in some sort of litigation, I can identify those. Okay, uh, next let's talk about sporting licenses. In Florida, your hunting and fishing license are in fact public record. Uh, and so, boater's license as well. Yeah, so if you have a boater's license or a fishing license or hunting license or, I don't know, uh, there's a bunch of different Whatever, sporting yeah, licenses right. out there. Uh, if you're a commercial fisherman, I can get a copy of those licenses and when they expire and how long you've had them. All right, next, special permits. Special permits. In Florida, the most probably interesting one is the carry concealed weapon. Yes, you can get copies of a carry concealed weapon on a background check. All right, Uh, I think you talked about vitals earlier. There's more um, extensions to that. So talk a little bit about how you can get aliases and uh, family member information. Aliases are really interesting, and I'll tell you, sometimes because we run background checks on the other side of our cases, and it's amazing how many times you'll see, and I'll use me for an example, Peter Anthony Sardis, that's my legal name. You'll see Peter A. Sardis because that's how I sign stuff, or Pete Sardis because somebody may have referred to me by that moniker, and you'd be shocked to see how many people use aliases. Uh, You'd be shocked to hear how many uh, John Smiths there are that go by uh, Jason it yeah, doesn't make absolutely. any sense sometimes, but that actually is that person because they wrote down Jason Smith on something or whatever. That doesn't make any sense, but there are some AKAs that are very weird to us, but it ends up being true. Right, and people use nicknames, for example. You know, you may, Trey is an example. If, well, yeah, those make sense, but there are even some that make no sense. Oh, they like make Pe- up the name. Peter Sardis goes by Jackson Sardis sometimes. Right. Like you it can doesn't see- make sense, but sometimes it, it happens. Right, and you can see the fake names that people have used. And I don't want to say that they're nefarious because they're fake, but they're not real names that they've used over the course of their lives. Right. And then talk about family member information that you can get as well. They'll give you potential family members and things like that. Oh, for sure. And again, remember, once you've moved into somewhere or you've established residency, um, the public records and the basically the Fair um, Credit Reporting Act is going to give you an opportunity to see anybody else that has been associated with a particular address, 
account, uh, somebody that's co-signed for you. If you rented a house with a roommate in college, they're going to show up as somebody that's connected with you. Right. And and they, they give you, you know, background checks, depending on how you do them, they can populate these reports that'll say potential family members. And the reason they come up with that is they are on that property with you, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So they assume this might be his wife or whatever. And, you know, or if they see again, uh, car insurance or a DL that they sign for, for a John Smith and a James Smith. They may say James might be the son of John Smith, things like that. So they pull this information from public records and pop out what might be a family member of the person that you're doing this background check on. Um, okay, next let's get into uh, phone numbers. Phone numbers, this is something that used to be very obvious. In other words, back in the day, we used to pull up in the phone book and everybody's landline phone was listed unless you physically paid to be uh, unlisted in the phone book. Over time, that's kind of gone away because everybody basically keeps their cell phone and the cell phones were not registered. But if you use your cell phone number, for example, on an application, on a credit card application, or if you use it when you go for voter registration as a contact phone number, that now populates as a phone number that is associated with you. And I can find that again in a public record check. Right. All right, next is uh, political affiliation. Interestingly enough, if you are registered for a particular political party, that in Florida is public record. Now, you may have, uh, there are some limitations. You might have to have uh, authorization to get those voter records, but it will show that you are affiliated with a particular party. More interestingly, in other states, if you make a political contribution to a judge's campaign or to a particular uh, politician, that does show up because there are uh, public records requirements that say if you uh, if you give money to a campaign, that is something that has to be open, obvious, and notorious, meaning it's listed. Uh, and then what about political donations as well? Yeah, same with the donations. Now, I haven't had a great luck getting the exact donation amount, but I'm aware that you can get it because the the laws require that to be public record. It may not be round one, but you may have to send a notice pursuant to the, uh, you know, to the privacy restriction to receive that information. All right. What about uh, professional licenses and affiliations? Us as lawyers, for example, um, we are members of the Florida Bar and that is something that is public record. But beyond that, doctors, hairdressers, real estate agents, uh, brokers, meaning insurance or securities brokers. Nurses. Nurses all have uh, professional licenses. Those licenses can easily be identified in Florida and any other place. Which, again, can be important if you're looking at what type of work does this person do? Are they collectible? Do they have some special knowledge in whatever the field is? Are you suing a doctor in a car accident claim? Is he going to know about these injuries? Things like that can be important to find out. Is your license suspended? Are they in good standing? Right. You know, things exactly, like that. Exactly, exactly. Okay, um, and then lastly on our list, we have UCC records. First explain what that is, and then explain what you can find from it. There's something called the Uniform Commercial Code, uh, and that's basically a tenant of law that covers business entities. Um, if you are a, sh- uh, a shareholder in a, uh, a limited liability company, or if you're an officer of a corporation, or if you have filed some sort of business license, most likely those are going to be public record. In fact, you register these things with the uh, the Department of Financial Services in Florida so that it is easily ascertainable that you have an interest with a particular company. That's the purpose of having it. Right, and this is important because, again, when you're looking if somebody's collectible or if you're suing somebody or if your plaintiff is suing a defendant, you want to know what uh, professional affiliations they have. You know, have they started companies? Have the companies closed? Are the companies defunct? Are they still active? Have they reported properly? All sorts of things. 
Uh, let me add one more level to that. Uh, we've been talking generally about the states. There is also a federal uh, public record act. It's called the Freedom of Information Act or a FOIA. And what a Freedom of Information Act is, you can actually communicate with the federal government and get records of what the government has done or communication, contact uh, that a government entity has had, a federal government entity with an individual. And they'll send you an entire report that says, you know, criminal stuff or uh, he has a securities license or, you know, we had uh, a government contract with him to provide chocolate cake to the army. Right. So we talked a lot about what we can find in background checks. Now let's go through a few of the things that we can't find, starting with, we talked about bank account information. We can, you can sometimes get if somebody has a bank account at Chase Bank, but you can't get what? Right. You're not going to be able to get the actual account balance, uh, even though you may have the account number and the account numbers might be accessible to you, but the actual balances are, are, are they are protected. Right. And we talked also about um, the fact that you can see if somebody's filed lawsuits or had lawsuits filed against them civilly. You can't see what the settlement amount was, whether or not they settled, um, unless they file a notice of settlement and things like that. So sometimes you can't tell how that case resolved, but you can tell that that case was initiated, what kind of case it is, and you can actually read the pleadings in that case. You can read what the complaint alleges happened in this case, but you don't see what that settlement amount is. Right. Um, and what you'll normally see is in trials, meaning literally went to court, had a jury, and got a verdict. The verdict amount is in the public record because right. it's written on the on the verdict form. But if it settles out of court, they just file a notice of uh, And less dismissal. than 1% of cases go actually all the way through verdict. So that's why most of them, you can't see the settlement amount, but you do get to see verdict amounts. Right. Uh, there is a but in there. Again, this is just for us lawyers. Sometimes we can get the uh, the settlement amounts because they're in some publicly filed documents because they need to be approved, for example. But that's really not. Now right. you're talking about. It's true, though, especially class actions and right. things like but that. Now you're you talking have about to do very specialized background. And check. a lot of those are federal. Absolutely. OK, uh, next. Another thing you cannot get is somebody's medical records or health information. Yeah. HIPAA is pretty uh, staunt about who can have access to your medical records. And unless you have an executed uh, authorization called a HIPAA waiver, which is the Health Information Portability and Privacy Act, you're not going to get anybody's actual medical records without a court order. Right. Uh, and again, a lot of these go with what you can find. There's the other side of the coin of what you can't. Um, we talked about potential family members, but you can't uh, you can't get or publicly access adoption records. Right. Adoption records are sealed. Uh, and in order to get adoption records, you have to go through a heck of a rigmarole to actually get a judge to release those. And a lot of people, and I think you, everybody knows about stories where somebody's been looking for their estranged, you know, their mom and dad that gave them up for adoption. It's really very difficult because you, you have to go physically uh, back to hospital records and pull open, you know, a birth certificate and who was the name on the, the birth certificate and try to track it back that way. Uh, the court records are sealed for that that type of search. Right. And lastly, while you can find, you know, convictions and certain things um, in the criminal public record, you can't find sealed or expunged uh, uh, crimes. Yeah, there's a caveat. arrests. Yeah, there's a caveat to this. In the public record, meaning if there is a sealed or expunged record, I can't go get it from the sheriff's office or from the county clerk of court. But if a private background check company has run a background check at a time when the uh, record wasn't right wasn't sealed or expunged, that is going to be able to be found. Right. And then there is the issues about, you know, can you disclaim How do you it? use it? Right. right. How exactly. do you use it? But that's for a different podcast. Right. And probably. we've done an entire podcast on sealing and expunction, but just the short version is, 
only certain crimes and certain arrests and certain situations can even be sealed or expunged. And those are usually of the lower level. And that's why they're allowed to be sealed or expunged. So that's why sometimes they won't pop up on these background checks. Okay, so it's a very informative podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We're going to hit some more frequently asked questions in the weeks coming. Uh, if you guys have any, hit us up on social media at Tragos Law. Thanks a lot.